Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we hear stories from everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Hey, everybody. Today's podcast is with Adrian Edson, and this is just one of those. It was just an absolute honor to have her on the show. We did it outside at Jerome's town, so there's a bit of wind noise in the background, and then we get interrupted by some rain, have to wait a couple of days to do the next part, and then at the very end, the last uh, three minutes or so, she actually sings one of her songs, and you just have to realize that I'm recording this outside in a tent using two microphones that are kind of the cheapest on the market, but... I think when you hear it, you'll still be uh, pretty impressed. And I know I am because the song is about me. But uh, she's a really great person, musician. She's lived an incredible life. So uh, here we go. We're going to get into it. All right. And we are live. Welcome to the podcast. We have a insanely special show tonight. So for those of you that listened from the very beginning and have heard any of my podcasts, you'll notice a wonderful song. And tonight we actually have Adrian here with us, the lovely young lady who the universe has planted beside me now for the second time in my life, which I'm very happy about. And uh, she's here with us. Hi, Adrian. How's it going? Hey, it is going wonderfully. It's so good to have you on here. I'm stoked. <laughs> I am too. I am too. Well, I I figure I you know just probably the first thing is is. Um, Maybe if you just give us a little brief synopsis of who you are, where you're from, that sort of small talk. We'll get that icebreaker out of the way, and then we'll go from there and dive in deep. <laughs> Does that sound oh, good? Yeah, that sounds good. That's an interesting, a fascinating way about it to start small and dive deep, because my first thought was, ah, I am... I need to talk about my philosophies on yes, life in general. Yes. No, no, no. No, we, no we my like true this, nature. You know, yeah. My deeper true nature which is love awareness i was gonna say hello i'm love awareness uh but we can get into that a little later yeah well oh definitely of course we will i want to know all about that we're gonna peel back Uh, the layers of of that is adrian okay but yes um here in this form right right now and it's such a a a special moment right here and now uh we've got a fire going uh, out in the woods. Out in Jerome's town tonight? Yes. Yeah, it's such a beautiful atmosphere around. Um, I grew up in Michigan. And I spend the summers in Michigan still. Yeah. <laughs> teaching yoga. That's what brings you up here, yes. Yeah. Living on Lake Walloon. But if I were to ask you to name off all the places you've ever lived... Could you do it really quick? Uh, yeah, mainly Bloomfield Hills, St. Louis, and New Orleans. Oh, those are the major three. Mm-hmm. Ah, got no wonder you're so antsy to get out into uh, explore some of this world like we were talking about before. Oh yeah, well I'd love to live across the world, but New Orleans is pretty cool. Yeah, how long have you been down there? Eight years. Wow. Yeah, we were talking about some of the storms that uh, 
happened down there because you've been in what was the last one you said it was zoe zeta zeta yeah yeah how was that experience ah pretty bizarre uh it was it was two weeks of power outages uh and yeah there was the massive whirlwinds and the eye of the storm a green eerie time to go on a stroll when lo and behold things were suddenly flying past us again Uh, (laughs) and what would you tell our listeners as a warning about that um oh yeah stay stay inside longer (laughs) (laughs) the eye of the storm is deceiving I like to always throw out those warnings because sometimes the topics of this podcast get a little dangerous and uh, dicey. Mm. So New Orleans been through some storms because we went through a bit of a, a microburst up here in Michigan and uh, basically a huge line squall came through, got crazy. I was actually on the water and got to see a small water spout form, which destroyed a dock and took down trees and all sort of stuff. And uh, was that the only, but you've been through more hurricanes down there than yeah that, right? yeah even when the rains are pretty substantial and pounding down the the draining in new orleans isn't very good and so the the streets will fill with water pretty fast and the the shotguns the house the houses are only raised maybe five steps up sometimes and you'll watch the water rise to that top step it can get pretty scary well, you isn't the whole city underneath sea level sea 17 level? feet below Holy cow. Yeah. And that's all protected by dikes and deltas and all that sort of stuff? I don't know if I've got those terms right. Uh, levees. Levees. Oh, okay. And the the coastline is receding pretty fast. It's pretty. It's not going to... Um, it's, it's not a city that would exist without all those levees, and it won't necessarily exist for very long. So get it while it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Better get down it's there. It's an to, extraordinary uh, city. It's very unique, but it might not be long around. Yeah, if you've either. ever dreamt of going for Mardi Gras, you might want to uh, do it sooner rather than later. Yeah. Well, what what was it that uh, attracted you to New Orleans? Ooh, well, it was a, a whim took me there. The music attracted me. I brought my mandolin and a suitcase, and I always had this desire to busk. B-U-S-K, busk, uh, to sing on the street for tips. And it really works in the French Quarter. People do it all the time. It's a thing there. People, People do it professionally, right, basically? Yeah, yeah, yes, as did I for three years, if not a little longer. But yeah, um, it's... Had you f- ever done it before? I had done it a handful of times only, a little bit in Royal Oak and a little bit in St. Louis, Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So you, you sort of cut your teeth there, but New Orleans is a whole different Yeah, ball may, game. maybe I, I cut my teeth just in a coffee shop playing some folk covers, and then and then I went down to the street and just sang on the street, and I was so happy to do it. And when you're happy doing something, people can tell, and it was just this cycle of positive energy. And then the French Quarter is so unique. It's enchanting. Um, there's all these characters walking down the street. It's Always a fun time. Oh, I can only imagine. I mean, I you know, I, I'm obviously a small town kind of person. Always have grown up in tiny places, lived in tiny islands. Big cities honestly scare me quite a bit. It's just mm. a little overwhelming, especially after so much time uh, alone on a boat. But um, I've always, I've always had this weird dream. You wouldn't believe it, but I've always thought it would be so cool to go and spend 
like a year and live in New York, in Manhattan. Ooh, I wouldn't want to do even that. Really? That that to me is a big city, and New Orleans doesn't feel quite so big. I, I ride my bicycle all across town, uh, so it doesn't feel too, too big to me. How how many people live there? Oh, I don't know. No idea, huh? Yeah, I don't know the, the, the gonna facts. I'm going to guess. Two million? I don't know. You have no idea. <laughs> well, we'll have to Google it afterwards. Maybe some of the listeners can put it in the comments. <laughs> But when you when you arrived down there, and you you knew that was sort of the plan was to go down there and do that, would you have to have a supplementary job? No, you could busk full time. Really? Mm-hmm. So, how many hours a day would you be doing this? Ooh, I would do it for four hours a day, five days a week, and I loved it. Yeah, wow. and that was about all my vocal cords could take, though. Too, I did it acoustic, so I didn't have a mic amplifying me. Oh, really? So you really had to project your voice? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and then um, the sound would spin down the street, you know, between the the architecture. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Buildings. Oh, I can only imagine. How do you have to? Do you have to sort of claim your own little section? How oh. does that? Because you can't just rock up to New Orleans and be like. Yeah, this is my corner now. There, there is an etiquette, and that's probably not the the lesser fun part, because you know I wanted everything to be good and groovy. You know, you roll up and everyone, all the buskers are your friends, and it felt like a community. But there is a bit of competition for the the spots that tend to flow a little bit more. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, there's got to be. What yeah. What's the most sort of sought after spot? Well, I was a I would play solo so I could fit into smaller places, smaller corners and things, but the biggest corner would, would probably be Rouse's outside the grocery store in the French Quarter. Oh, okay. Yeah, tons of people gather around there. All the pedicabbers are biking through. It's a fascinating spot. It's just off the corner of St. Louis Cathedral, the huge cathedral in Jackson Square. Wow. Gotcha. I'm uh, you know, Really, probably. Well, actually, no. You know what? That's that's part of what I like about doing these podcasts, because now I get to learn about you know New Orleans and busking and all these things. Rather, because a lot of a lot of people when they do these, I don't know, feel the need to research the person they're like research the subjects they think they're going to talk about and everything. But I don't know. I I'm just learning about it, and I get to sort of just listen. I'm enjoying it. Hmm. Um. So you got down there, and these. I mean, how how do you negotiate where you get to oh, perform? Yeah, you well, you just you, you just, try it out. Yeah, you just you go for it and you you fall a few times, you know, out of the nest. But then you just keep get getting up and trying out different spots. And you know, I liked one spot. Um, different spots will resonate and feel um, this way or that. And my first spot that I liked was right by the uh, steamboat Natchez, the riverboat with the paddle the spinning paddle uh and then i went to a certain corner and i loved that corner and then near the blue dog art gallery that was another spot so when you find your spots and when ooh, when you want them on a good day like a saturday or when there's a festival happening and there's tons of people in town you you have to wake up early yeah, you get out there so early that the um, street cleaning mobiles are still coming through <laughs> and cleaning no up one's from the up previous night at all. Yeah. And you all just right. sit there and read a book for hours. Well, I yeah, I would think that. I don't know. So there's not some sort of 
hierarchy of you know yeah. i've been here in new orleans for mm, 20 years doing this definitely everybody knows that corner yeah is yes so yes. that does go on it does it does but there's also a flow the faces do change over time but there are some uh uh legendary people who take certain corners yeah is there any respected. any performers you would uh, recommend for anybody visiting that area to oh, go check out? Such a good question. Because um, you it, must have gotten to know quite a few other yeah, people doing yes. the same thing, okay, right? So like, there's Doreen, the clarinet player. She would post up and did awesome. Um, and it has been five years since I've been busking full time. So the names, ooh, Tuba Skinny. Yep. Tuba Skinny. Check out Tuba Skinny. Nice. Yeah. They're giving a shout out to Tuba Skinny. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great name. Yeah, go to New Orleans, go find them. They might be on Frenchman Street too. That's another good busking one. Get a vinyl. Yeah. Okay. Nice. <laughs> and so you sort of get into that zone and then I'm I gotta tell you, I'm kinda surprised. So you were able to that could be your full time job. Yeah. And that pays. I mean, do you you don't have to say anything, but I mean, how much money are you able to make there? Oh, sure. Okay. And well, also, this was eight years ago. My rent was so cheap. And also, you know, I was living in a shotgun that was sure falling apart. And we had some. What do you mean a shotgun? A shotgun style house. It's with all of the houses. So many houses are designed in this shotgun setup where it's a room stacked on a room stacked on a room it's just a long house it's one long house but you have to walk through one room to get to the next it's kind of it's a little silly of a setup because if you're living with your friends you have to walk through each other's rooms oh oh okay i'm i'm envisioning it now so you walk in and yeah, you're in yeah, somebody's room yes yeah the idea is you can open the doors and shoot a shotgun and it'll go right through the house <laughs> and the reason for it is it helps with airflow it gets so hot and humid there you can open all the doors and the air will flow through oh smart okay so that, that might have been a pre air conditioning sort yeah of thing. yeah you'll still be brutally you'll hot if you go like there in the summer hot. though yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh um well i'll tell you what i'm gonna put a couple logs on this fire so uh i'm gonna just leave it to you do you want to talk about uh tell me tell me what what's your favorite thing about new orleans oh costumes came to mind that was one of the first things I fell in love with was just the the creativity that goes into throwing something super fun together and going to catch the the parade or the ball of the night. And which, by the way, Mardi Gras, if you don't know, the season lasts over three weeks. There are parades, so many parades, <laughs> maybe upwards of 40 parades that happen over the course of the, co the few weeks. The city... Um, <laughs> participate so much. The schools close down, so everyone can be. When in when does it all technically? Because that's for me. You know, being a Midwesterner, basically, always all you just heard was Mardi Gras was like this week long thing, and that was oh, that's even a lot. I grew up and it was just like you eat a donut on Fat Tuesday. Oh, and that was it. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Well, all the parades and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So when does the whole, it sounds like it's more of like a festival season. Yes. When yeah. does it start and, and end? It technically begins on 12th night, 12 days after Christmas. 
Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, and that's when you eat a king cake. The king cake season begins. You're not supposed to eat a king cake outside of king cake season. <laughs> What's a king cake? <laughs> it's a it's a giant pastry. Um, there's a plastic baby hidden inside. Um, whoever gets the baby has to buy the king cake the next year. It's going to be Mardi Gras colors, so yellow, green, and purple. Really sugary icing with a lot of sh- um, colorful sprinkles that are <laughs> that are yellow and green and purple. Yeah. Do you dive into that or no? Oh no, you, I don't dive. Yeah, not a sugar I don't. Eater. I don't eat sugar. I don't eat gluten. I have made paleo vegan king cake and it was good. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah. Nice. Oh, that's pretty cool. Wow. Okay. Okay. And so starts then in December or yeah. in January, uh-huh. and then goes all the way through when? Um, whenever Mardi Gras Fat Tuesday is, you know, the day before Ash Wednesday. So it depends on the the calendar. the The dates will change. The date of Mardi Gras changes based on when Easter is, based on the moon. Oh, so it's like all the way in April. So it's like three, four months. Hmm. No, let's see, March. Usually late February or early March. Okay, okay, (laughs) got you. So it's, yeah, wow, that's a lot longer. Because, yeah, I I feel like... Well, there's the kickoff. There's the 12th night kickoff, but then it's kind of a, a like a lull. It's like a quiet, oh, it's Mardi Gras season. It's very, it's a quiet and subtle thing that is happening but then three and a half weeks before the day it gets it starts to build it builds up nice and slow um starting two and a half weeks early we're we're really going strong one yeah and then the week and a half leading up to mardi gras is just insane does it get to the point where you're it You're gets, like I'm. I'm over this. Like holy oh, cow! Oh, not yet. We're no. Um, the uh, people, not water. Okay. Well, I was gonna say you, as you experience more Mardi Gras, you get better at it, and you learn which parades are more worthwhile, more fun, um, especially the underground ones where you're part of the parade. That's the best part when you're part of a walking parade and there isn't tons of waste happening because the major parades are wasting so much plastic. They're throwing not just beads, but like all the toys and it's fun. There's definitely, it's it's definitely alluring. Um, And it got me when I first got to the city. It was so fun to just catch a bunch of toys from the sky and so fun for the kids. (laughs) But all of that, those toys lay in the, um, in the, the wreck of that, the, that the parade leaves behind. And then uh, um, huge crews of sweepers come out and just like, massive all this massive waste gets yeah uh, yeah unfortunately trash. i think there are there are some traditions you know that that we do all over the world that are unfortunately super wasteful like that yeah but i think i i feel like people are slowly sort of waking up to that fact and sort of realizing that yeah it might have been a big tradition but there's better ways to do it yes yeah there's definitely a movement of that um in small ways where the smaller parades that you're part of are um more of handmade throws that are special and you give them to share those with people it's kind of like a gift giving like if you were to go to burning man or something and you make apply a gift um so that that's kind of the uh better kind of parade 
Yeah, yeah. My, my oh, I would, I would think so. I mean, you know, when, Earth I, style. when I was a kid at the 4th of July parade, I mean, they were they were throwing candy and stuff like that to us. And I don't even think you can get away with that anymore. Strangers throwing candy. Hmm. <laughs> it's kind of yeah, it's hard to say that the pandemic, it didn't really happen last year. Um, I imagine if things get back into full swing, there will be tons of candy being thrown from floats again. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. That I mean, for me, that was when I was a kid. That was my my biggest thing. I loved the fact that there was going to be free candy thrown, yeah. and I could just as much as I could catch, sort of thing. Yeah, you know it's what like the a challenge, you know? Oh, it's I know it's so fun. You know what the best is is St. Patrick's Day parade in New Orleans. They throw they throw vegetables that you can make it, it, use for a stew. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so I, it's great. You bring a huge sack, and you fill it up with all the cabbage and carrots and all oh, all the fixings, so tons cool. of onions, everything, <laughs> garlic, everything. That's the St. Patrick's Day parade? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, and that, that, that was... vegan central then. <laughs> like, everybody comes out of the woodwork. Yep. We're not going shopping today. So fun, so fun, catching cabbages. But you have to beware, because accidents happen. Dude, you get hit by a cabbage in the head... <laughs> Thing weighs a lot, or watermelons. Don't tell me they throw watermelons. No. Okay, just vegetables. <laughs> yeah. But carrots. Think about a carrot. You know, you get. Yeah, the cabbage. Take your though. eye out. Yep. That'd be such a shame. Sure <laughs> would. Wow. So that's that's pretty crazy. Okay. So, I don't know. Yeah. Because I've never been there, I've never been able to experience it. Uh, I've only just heard the rumors of, you know, beads and drunken craziness mm. and music and all, all uh, that stuff rolled into one. Yeah. But you've been able to experience a bunch of them. Yeah. And you still, because I've talked to people that, that live down there and they say they leave at that point. But obviously they're just, uh, they're either way over it or they're not really able to find the joy in it, I guess. People who have who live in the city who've lived there for a while yeah, you're saying? yeah. lived there the whole lot oh yeah yeah i could imagine and i definitely know people where they live right around where most of the parades happen and they just it's just so much traffic they can't even do their lives there's just oh yeah, yeah it's yeah. just traffic and all of the streets are parade routes imagine that you just you can't yeah there's just floats actually, everywhere yeah, and you, like, you ah, <laughs> i know here in in traverse city when they do uh the cherry festival because like 95 percent of the world's cherries are grown here in michigan whoa did not know that no don't quote me on that number but <laughs> I, that's the one i've always heard uh in any event they have the cherry festival but it's a week long and traverse city is very similar where or, or not very similar but it's a small town but it has basically one main street and Literally a hundred thousand people go there for this, and the people that live there—it's just a nightmare because traffic is horrible, and they can't—they just can't. Their their sort of day to day gets disrupted, I guess. But uh, I always told my brother when he was down there, I said, you know, just just dive into it. Use this as an excuse to just get weird and experience it rather than just sit there and and complain and be like, I don't, this is <laughs> terrible we should just go somewhere i don't know yeah but i can see both sides of that coin sure so you're down there and you're doing all the busking and how how did it go yeah oh you did ask that how it went yeah 
Um, it was great. Did I say, if, yeah, so I would, if I busk for four hours, is the, you mean like how I would do tip-wise? Yeah, yeah, just or ballpark, you know. Would, oh, yeah, okay. Unless so you want to show me the spreadsheet. No, I didn't. No. Pretty, uh, no. Um, I, Were you reporting those to your I taxes? I would say <laughs> after four hours, I, I on a good day where like I'm feeling I'm feeling good and positivity's flowing. Clouds I would, are happy. Yeah, and this was back in a you know things come and flow. Okay, about a hundred bucks for four hours. Pretty happy with that. That's really good. Yeah, to be able, yeah, and, and to be doing something that you love doing. Oh, and then I didn't mention yeah, and then when I first got there, my rent was so cheap. It was three hundred bucks a month. Oh wow! Okay. So I could get I could get that in three days. So I was like, oh, I could live here. I could live this life and do this. I could sing on the street, and you know, I ride my little my bicycle and down Royal Street and set up the mandolin and sing, and it was uh, a really fun chapter. Now, were were you already writing your own songs, or were you singing yeah, other yes. people's songs? I, on the street, I would do folk covers, but I was, what transformed, what transpired was my my music project, the original project, developed. And um, as I continued to busk acoustic on the street, I also met my friends and musicians and started to create with them. And I uh, created a band and learned how to play plugged in on stage and then in a studio to get to get into some recording. Oh, okay. Which I really enjoy the process of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you're doing right now. <laughs> I know, I know. It's a, it's a yeah. wonderful treat. I'm so glad you uh, agreed to do it. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, thank well, you for having me. Are there any personal favorites, uh, favorite artists that you like to cover? Oh, yeah, Bob Dylan. <laughs> oh, yeah. I could totally see that. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I would do some blowing in the wind, times they are a changing, like a rolling stone. Subterranean homesick blues. It goes on and on. Oh sister. Oh yeah. Um, one more cup of coffee. So I, I would play harmonicas too. I'd have the harmonica rack and play harmonica and tambourine with my foot. Oh, shebang. Yeah. Well, I you know when I think about that first summer where we met, I I was so blown away when. We sat out here, and I listened to you play just so many different songs. I, I mean, you know, you sort of, you never know, you never know what level somebody's going to actually be singing and playing guitar at. You know, sometimes people are like, "Oh, I play guitar," and then you, it happens, and you're like, "Oh, geez." Oh, geez. But I <laughs> oh, was, well, thank you, blown away, yeah. and I thought, I mean, I must be the luckiest guy in the world because now. I not only have you out here, but I have you able to just play all this music, and I get to just sit back and listen to it. I mean, it's it was unbelievable. Oh, I mean, that's sweet. Well, it also sounded really nice on that twelve string guitar of your mom's. So. Yeah, that old Martin uh, is a really, really beautiful guitar. Yeah. Holy cow! I still need to get it out so I we can do a little repeat performance. That's you that know what? That's be, probably the one thing that's ooh, missing. We should do we that if at the end done. of the. Well, no, we'll grab it and then we'll edit it in at the end of the podcast. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll play. I'll that. play a song yeah, on yeah. the twelve string. Oh, it would be cool. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, yeah. No, we'll, we'll what? See. It's we'll gotta work. Do. What do you mean? <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure of it out. Of course. What could possibly? <laughs>
Well, I'll tell you though. If there's a will. The only thing that was better than that experience uh, that night was hearing that song that you wrote about Mighty Sparrow. That <laughs> I mean, full on goosebumps, and that's uh, that's it's just a tiny clip that we use in the intro for this. It's about you. I know. It's so <laughs> I mean, I mm. I think I think it brought a tear to my eye the first time I I heard it, just because it was. I obviously nobody's ever written a song about me, but nobody's ever written like a good song about me. <laughs> and it was just so it was haunting and cool. But at the same time, and I have to admit this to you, it also makes me jealous because it's a duet. And when the guy's voice comes in, I'm like, what? Who's this guy? <laughs> What's going on with that? <laughs> like, this song's about me. It's just, what? <laughs> but it's not like I could sing it. Oh, well, we should sing it together. That's what we should sing at the <laughs> end of the podcast. I don't think you want to hear me sing. Holy oh, it has smokes. to happen. We can practice. You know, uh, we can maybe. edit that part we'll, out. We'll have to see. We'll do that off the air. Oh, yeah. man. Well, so I, you said you'd been writing for a long time. Um, mm. When did that really take hold? Was it down oh, in New Orleans or was it well it before that? It was in St. Louis. Yeah, I studied music at St. Louis University. It was my senior year. I start, I recorded my first few songs and released my first EP. Yeah. Which was called? Raindrop Choir. Raindrop Choir. Is that available anywhere? It's on... Hmm. Oh, it's not on Spotify and all that. It's on Bandcamp. Yeah, you'd have to go to adrianedson.bandcamp.com. We'll put that. Uh, I'll get you to, <laughs> in the, the podcast details, we'll we'll put links to whatever. Okay. Yeah, so people will be able to find all, all the stuff. But Cool. Oh, that's pretty cool. And so that was, how old were you then? 20? Uh, yeah. Something like that? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was from St. Louis and then there. I'm just trying to like track. Yeah, I just followed the Mississippi down. down, essentially. You ever dreamt about uh riding the Mississippi? Ooh, that'd be fun. So fun. You you've done it? No, I had oh, a friend. Though. Let's do it. I had, I had a friend who <laughs> took uh and he was uh he worked in Michigania, um, Everett Sislo. And I know him. he and another guy went down the oh. Mississippi in a canoe. I don't know exactly where they started, but it was pretty much at the start and made it all the way down. I don't I can't remember how long it took them, two months maybe, something like that. But said it was one of the most amazing experiences he's ever had. Fun. I'd like to do it on like a homemade raft. Yes. Like, you know, Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn sort of thing. Yes, forge some berries. Yeah, right. Along the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little more uh developed. It's more along the lines of trying to chat people up so you can stay on their dock for the night sort of thing. Oh. Okay. And just try not to get run over by barges and uh, and big boats. I guess that gets kind of scary because there's a lot of really tight areas. Hmm. And hmm. a canoeer has the right of way over no one. It's just sort of like get out of the way. But I don't know. I yeah. don't know. It might be kind of interesting. Yeah. Wow. And for as much as I've looked at the Mississippi, especially in New Orleans, it, bend, it bends around the city. It's called the Crescent City because of the shape of the river. I've, I haven't been in it much because it the water currents are so fast. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, you can't swim in it at all. I certainly haven't sailed in it. I've sailed in the lake above the city. And is it, it's got to be super busy with shipping and stuff like that right yeah and constant. Yeah, shipping barges constant yeah and um 
and cruise ships. Paddle boats, riverboat casinos, things like that? Um, or do they have any of those there? You know, not as many as you'd expect or in other places. Um, there's one casino on land that's really a big popular spot. Interesting. Yeah, it's on land, but it well, it's just like right on, like next to the river, and so that was the loophole. It's like casinos couldn't be on land, but it was like uh, it's on a boat, it's tied to a dock permanently, sort of thing. But then know? somehow the permanent boat uh, became land, and it's still allowed. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> ah, you know, they they figure out a way. Yeah. There's, there's enough money in that game, so. Oh yeah. Ah, okay. Well, that's that's cool. Are you going back to New Orleans, or are Ooh, you you headed off for new adventures? Ah, uh, well, let's see. I w- I'll go back to the city this fall. This fall is going to be exciting. We have Jazz Fest. Uh, we'll see if it happens um, for the first time in a couple years, as well as other festivals where I'll be teaching yoga and meditation at some some festivals. So I'll dip in. I'll say hello to my friends, but I am. I also hope to be on to new adventures. All right. We are back after a little technical difficulty on my part. I'm not the uh, greatest at this whole recording thing, I guess. But uh, sorry about that, Adrian. Ah, um, I think we were we were talking about we kind of got off on Mexico and all this other stuff. But um, I, I want to sort of peel back a, a few more layers because I know you you are what what I would call a, a multifaceted person when it comes to um, not so much, I don't want to label it as just employment. Cause you know that I, I, I was talking with somebody the other night about how annoying it is that, that n- social norm of, you know, somebody asking, well, what do you do? And people say the term, like I am a lawyer and it's sort of like you are a lawyer, like you are what you do. And so I don't want to label it that way. But um, what other sort of, uh, you've got your music, you're multitasking in all these different uh, realms. You do yoga, and then you also do fitness. Just lay us out. If, if I were uh, looking for... If I were to come to you and say, well, what can you teach me? What can you teach me? Ah. Uh, yeah, there's so many layers. Or guide me through, I mm, guess. Yeah, so I, I after uh, living out the busking and living out the songwriter, having a band and recording, what, what came next for me was a seeking of spirituality i guess and i found it in yoga training and i i trained at this wonderful studio in new orleans called wild lotus and they're a bhakti yoga studio and so bhakti is yoga of expression yoga of the the heart and of art and so i was taught to incorporate myth and stories and poetry and music into the yoga flow the journey and so I brought my music into the training and into now I'm a teacher I start my classes with with mantra music kirtan music and with chants and um and I love to 
offer meditations and guide meditations, guiding people to experience and to know their own soul with greater depth and awareness. Well, and didn't you spend time down at a place in Ooh, Guatemala? Yeah, totally, yes. I, oh, I was. It was such a fun experience. I'm so grateful for this. I took a, after my training program in New Orleans, an eight-month-long program finished, then I, I went for one month to an ashram, a place of yogic studying and being, in Guatemala on Lake Atitlan, overlooking three volcanoes, and that was that was such a beautiful, harmonious experience where every morning we would meditate for an hour and then do 90 minutes of asana, of yoga flow. And then beyond that, I was it was a work study, so I was spending hours each day um, transcribing yogic philosophy. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, so I basically got to continue my studies there. And it was wow, so okay. fun. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you you think I forgot about that, huh? I'm glad I brought that one up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So eight weeks, and then you go down there and do that. And um, you've, you've been teaching yoga for how long now? Two years. Yeah, oh, wow. About okay. two years, yeah. I got to... I was catapulted into yoga teaching because then next I came up here to northern Michigan to teach yoga at a camp. And, from, um, you know, I hadn't taught any classes when I started, but by the end I had taught over 130 because at camp we're just doing yoga classes all the time. And that's how you get good at something. You just try and over try and, and try. Over and over, yep. yeah. Wow. 130. How many of those in a day then? Oh, well, yeah, sometimes f- like four or five. <laughs> That's why you're so flexible. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I've done some yoga. We developed uh, a paddleboard yoga thing. Oh, I right? love sup yoga. I rarely, I, you know, it was mostly uh, Alexander Dobbs, the guy I had on the podcast uh, like a week ago, but, um, I don't know. I I really enjoy it. I never thought in a million years it would be as much exertion as it actually is. I I always thought of yoga before I did it as just a, you know, stretching. Oh, yeah, just go do some stretching. But actually, I mean, you're sweating bullets by the time you're done with it if you're really doing it right. And some of those poses are very hard, especially when they're done on a paddleboard. Yeah. I used to fall... Almost every time I tried to do the warrior warrior one position or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's what you got oh. your warrior one, warrior two. Warrior three would be tough on a paddleboard. Today I did dancing shiva. That's a fun one to do on a paddleboard. That's where oh, you really? just float float one foot up and dance. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> can you do the headstand one? I Yes, I can. What's that one called? Shirshasana. Shirshasana? <laughs> Laugh at me. It's my podcast. (laughs) Sanskrit. Sanskrit. Headstand. What do you love about the yoga? What what drew you to that? Oh, it feels so good. I was really looking for something in my life at the time. Well, let's see. Um, And it's it's in moments. Sometimes it's in the, the hardest times of your life when 
you find something good and it just feels like such a breath of fresh air which you're constantly breathing and in yoga uh um that reminds me of the tea bag charm that I'm drinking right now. I got this, um, I'm drinking my favorite tea and I got a new, a brand new charm that, that, you know, usually they repeat the charms and this one has to do with breath. I wish I could read it, but, um, the fire, I can't really read it. Yeah. The fire Can sort I, of. Here, wait, it's worth it. Yeah. Check it out. Now, when you say a tea charm, oh. is that like a little, almost like a fortune cookie, but it's on the end of, uh, your tea bag line? But better. But okay. better. <laughs> this one. Oh, I still can't read it. Get that light out. There you go. For our audience, she's looking at her tea bag. So for the first time, I received this wisdom today. Your breath fills you with energy anywhere and anytime you need it. Oh, well, I'd say know. that's true for sure. It's just... The breath is yoga is so much about the breath and um, and living is so much about the breath and I've I've found in my experience that if you're experiencing challenges and you return to the breath and be present to even if it's difficult even if it's uncomfortable you can you'll you'll get through it it will transform. And that's one way to say yes to life and not resist it, but embrace the here and now. And that's what life's about. Well, and I, I think also you're hitting on something that I definitely believe, and that's that, you know, life's not supposed to be the same thing over and over and over again every single day. And one of the I think core reasons that people experiment and find new things and try stuff and succeed and fail and do all these things and have these experiences usually does stem from some sort of bad situation, some sort of struggle because it, you know, if, if life is all good and it's all happy, then you're basically just going to be sort of laying around and keeping, keeping the flow going, which I guess is fine. Um, but in the end, yeah, I mean when when things are really tough and not and it seems like nothing's going right, that's when as as people we sort of switch it up a little, try something new and then all of a sudden you discover not only things about yourself, mm -hmm. but you discover all these new passions and things that you didn't yeah. know about that all of a sudden become these these really important things like yoga and like anything and it, they can be so life-changing, but mm -hmm. it's that it's that the uh, contrast. It's the what? The contrast. The contrast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, beautiful. And that that's reminding me of a passage from the prophet where it, the passage on joy and sorrow, and it talks about the sorrow carving out the loot for then the space to reverberate the joyous song. And it talks about a wine glass being uh, forged in heat, and then therefore it, it holds the 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 joyous wine. Um, but yes, it's in the it carves us out so that we're able to reverberate with with beauty and awe and wonder and joy and lightness and and yet they they come 
hand in hand. Uh, Sorrow and joy. Well, we, it's just the whole depth of experience of being human. The the heart the heartbreak the heartbreaks and it and that's the also the depth of compassion. I believe that a hundred percent. I mean, it reveals the depth of compassion. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I got the gears spinning in your yes. head right now. Yes, yes, um, and yet, um, on this path of awareness, you know, I'm pr- I'm practicing through practices of meditation and yoga. Um, you connect to the one who is aware, the one who notices all that's that's right here, right now, all that you can sense and feel. And through these practices, ideally, we can become lighter. Yes, like a high, like high vibration. That's what I'm going for. That's what. I, that's how I want to live. Yeah. Right. Live in the moment. Uh huh. Be aware of everything that's going on. In tune with it all. I don't know. It's aware of the awareness and em- embracing of the moment, no matter what it is. Well, and if if it's if it's not a great moment, it doesn't mean you should run away from it. It's more of you got to embrace that because that's probably going to be part of the key that takes oh, you and yes. sends you all to these other places. Well, yeah, you just brought up another another great concept, which is the the obstacle is the path, or the challenge is the teacher, and everything in your life is like divinely there for your evolution of consciousness yeah i mean it's just such a it's so strange that it seems like our sort of society these days tries to protect you from any sort of suffering any sort of hurt any sort of you know that sort of thing Mm. and in reality i think those are things when they're done in moderation are really an essential part of every life. You know, you, I, I'm a big believer that, and I think we talked about this the other day where if you want to really feel, feel excessive amounts of joy, you are probably going to have to go through some suffering beforehand because I do truly believe that, when you go through, and I, I can only equate this to sailing, I guess, but if I go out sailing on a nice day, it's wonderful. I love it. It's great. If I go out sailing and get caught in a three-day storm and go through hell and back, and it's terrifying, it's uncomfortable, <laughs> it's miserable, and then I get into perfect conditions after that, yeah. I am elated. I mean, I am the happiest guy, and it's because I went through that that bad storm that all of a sudden now I've made this reality of this nice day, which once would have been wonderful and now is absolutely the greatest day I've ever had sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, it's such an essential thing. I, and I'm sure it's gotta be, it's a part of like Buddhism or something. I'm so, I'm just totally sounding like a moron here, but um, go, go right ahead. I'm pretty sure (laughs) That's like a staple in some Eastern oh, religion. Yeah. 
where you know suffering is like actually a good thing because it mm. it really does make you realize just how good you have it when the suffering is over. Yeah, it was the the Buddha. One of the four no- noble truths is life is suffering. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So to not try to avoid it, embrace it. Um, learn from it, and be be okay with it, even if that. Um, and learn from it. Yeah. Well, I although you know I can remember when I was younger, teenager in my 20s and stuff. And if I had a relationship end, you know, girlfriend break up, all that sort of stuff. There were a few times where I was like absolutely, totally devastated. Couldn't get me out of a depression, you know, just awful. And yeah, I experienced that too. It's yeah, And it's, it's one of those things. And you, at the time, I didn't want to do anything. People would be trying to cut me to come out, uh, just sit and talk, do anything. And, and all I'm thinking to myself is I don't want to deal with anything. I just want to be miserable and la da 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 And I was sort of taking it the wrong way. And obviously, you're always going to feel bad. But I don't know. I, I, I think that if you look at it from that perspective, you know, you can you can sort of – I, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of losing myself on this oh, one. Oh, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Um, some practices that I try to take on when feelings, intense feelings like that happen are practices of letting go, of surrendering. And so, oh, of allowing whatever, however you feel to be without trying to change it. Yeah, exactly. Not trying to disguise it, you know, or cover or it up it with down. alcohol. Yeah, or... but to hear it. Yeah, yeah. So that it can be released, because there's energy underneath the 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 feelings that we experience, and to yes, to let it go can to practice letting go, always coming back to that can can help. Well, and have you found that? Um since you started practicing meditation that helps you control your feelings and and all that a whole lot better oh yeah absolutely and it is a a practice of meditation and so I am always practicing it and I have found that it it has transformed my life oh I can only imagine yeah I mean just just having a bit more do you feel like it gives you a bit more control? Yeah, yeah. When things happen, I notice when. Ooh, here's a a, a big one that's really helpful in in my life is like to notice when narratives spin out. Our imaginations really can run wild, so our minds, our thinking mind, can make stories spin these alternate realities that aren't even happening, and we can we can suffer over them. These, these narratives that we create and we cause ourselves so much unneeded suffering believing these stories. And so to connect to the awareness and to notice, oh, there I go again, there my small I, the ego goes again, um, having that tendency to combine that sense of if insecurity or doubt or being tired with... The f- this fear, there, there it goes again, thinking that that, that friend, uh, I'll give an example. Let's say um, 
I I go to send a text message to somebody and they I don't hear back from them and I'm and I start to worry. Oh no, the last time I saw that person, maybe they didn't like what I said. Uh, maybe they're upset with me. Um, and this or that, and come to find out that the text message never sent. Right, right, yeah, exactly. And then I'm, um, then I just I take find that moment. It's still, you know, it might happen, and I, then I just laugh at myself and um, I laugh at the the ego, the personality, the the small I self, and I kind of just like imagine like sometimes I just like cradle it. I'm like, oh, ego, ah. Uh, um, it's okay. It's okay to feel these ways. We're human. It's so wild being human. These intense feelings and happen. We're complex <laughs> Flow creatures. Through. No, Very, we really are. Ah, uh, reality is complex. There are so many layers of in every dimension occurring, and it's fun to notice them. That's also why I like the mindfulness journey. Well, can I ask you, like, with as far as the meditation goes, what what would be your your normal daily routine with it? Oh man, those are raindrops. Ooh. All right, and we are back a couple days later. So, just to recap, we were out doing this podcast uh, at night out here at Jerome'stown, and in Michigan, the weather changes really fast, and it changed on us and started to rain. So we had to uh, postpone for a little while, and it ended up taking a bit. But we have Adrian back, and we're going to wrap this thing up talking about a few extra things. And I think you wanted to first talk about uh, meditation mantras, maybe? Something like that? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I love it so much, and maybe other people would love it as well. I learned this at a, a yoga ashram in Guatemala, we would meditate for a whole hour, but I love to do just 10 minutes. And as people start their own practice, I, um, I'd recommend keeping it sh- even shorter. Just, Is that every day? Yeah, every, morning. every I, morning. I love the mornings. Nice. Yeah, so I'll, I'll set the space and set a timer for 10 minutes. But if you're new to it, uh, maybe just start with six minutes or four. Leave yourself wanting more. Oh, nice, smart. Yeah, um, and and let it be a a place where you're you're wholly welcome. You're fully welcome all of all of the aspects of yourself, and it's it's a you come to a, ha- a happy place. You're happy, um, which is fundamentally within the p- place of peace and love. And then the metaphor that I, I that I come back to that I, in this meditation is that of clouds in the sky and our consciousness being vast and limitless as the sky. And our thoughts and sensations and emotions being like clouds that are passing through the universe and that are transforming. And so to notice them, the, we, don't, we don't need to stop necessarily the, the thoughts. The thinking mind will run, but to recognize that you are not your thoughts. We're here to find that dimension within ourselves that is deeper than thought. And so to notice, notice the clouds as they transform, the thoughts and emotions, and and in so doing, you connect to the one who notices, the witness who is the soul. And so I breathe and simply be and notice whatever comes up. And I love that meditation. And uh, I find that uh, 
it leads me to it really transforms my my day-to-day and my life well i would think yeah i mean starting your day off with something like that it's it's so easy i know for me when i wake up in the morning my mind is already going a thousand miles a second all these things that are going to happen and decisions I have to make and all that sort of stuff. And I don't know. Uh, I feel like maybe setting all that aside just for 10 minutes and, and what I'm picturing is basically, you know, finding a nice quiet place where I'm, I'm comfortable. I can just go sit. There's no phones. There's nothing. And I know that nothing's going to come and get me. Uh, as far as needing something or anything like that. And then I can just sit and I think actually picturing like the clouds and stuff would probably help me a lot because a lot of times I just don't have any sort of image in my brain except flashes of all this other stuff. And maybe, yeah, having that, that sort of image of, I don't know, maybe for me it'd be like floating through the clouds nice i like like that idea i really do and then yeah just uh focusing on the breathing but yeah only do it for like five ten minutes yeah that's pretty easy anybody can can grab that little bit of time yeah there there are so many visualizations that that can be really beautiful so if if something works for you then use it and if it doesn't let it go and at the end of the day you have to let anything go anyways uh some other visualizations that i've loved are uh kind of like rainbow waves emanating love energy so it's nice to to meditate to um in the morning to connect to that primary purpose to connect to the soul you know you've got your day-to-day and everything that you need to do and your psyche is like scrambling and taking getting all the the to-do lists in line and that's okay if the psyche does that uh but just to know that there's a primary a deeper purpose and meaning is really nice to connect to well because yeah i i think a lot of times all those millions of thoughts just lead to anxiety and and worry or you know all, all these different sort of i would i guess i would consider unhealthy feelings oh yeah and then if you can sort of break away from that just at the start of the day because i mean really in the end, it's 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 about enjoying the little bit of time that we have, and if you can do it in a little bit calmer state, and and be a little more focused on what's going on right then and there, and how you feel, and and all that, I, yeah, I would, I'm gonna try it. Definitely gonna try it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, beautiful. Um, so. Uh, humans so often cause ourselves a lot of suffering just by adding layers of thought on top of that simple moment right here right now like all of our thoughts about and concepts and ideas about what's happening and um sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it and we get so um ensnared in it all and so it's all bound up and wrapped up all tight like ah (laughs) i'm gonna explode i know i feel like that sometimes yeah it's the best time to breathe return to the moment and be well i i appreciate you sharing that because that i mean yeah step one find a place step two make sure it's quiet step three focus on your breathing do it for 10 minutes step four picture clouds (laughs) i really like the cloud thing because everybody can i think anybody can can come up with that image just from 
you know, any movie where they're flying through the clouds or whatever, you know, you can sort of imagine that. Yeah. And I, I like to imagine myself laying in a field observing the clouds, which most people have done. Yeah. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. yeah. But if you're flying, all the better. Limitless, oh, yeah. limitless consciousness. Ripping through the clouds of the <laughs> doldrums. That's what I'll picture. Ooh. Yeah. Um, anything else you wanted to touch on before we wrap this up and then you play, uh, the live song, the first live song ever on this uh, podcast. I'm so honored, by the way, because it's it's the intro song, and it's about Mighty Sparrow and me sailing and all that. And it seems really, really right that I'm here able to play it in Jerome'stown. Yeah, I know it's uh, it's destiny. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's let's get it started. All let's right, sounds it. good. We're gonna set it all up, and then. Uh, do you wanna do you wanna introduce the song and everything? Oh yeah, sure. So it's called Notes from the Sea, and it's on my latest album called Deep Teal. And I wrote it because uh, I was getting some special messages out from out from you while you were at sea. Just beautiful nature updates um, of how of what you're seeing and how you're you're feeling and. Um, and I too was on my own path, uh, but it was on land. And, um, so there's a, a, a back and forth of messages and, and in the song it's a duet and it goes back and forth. Uh, but I guess maybe I'll, I'll sing both parts and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Cause you don't want me trying to sing it. I will. I do want you trying to sing it. Absolutely ruin it. <laughs> and we're not going to do that. Well, thank you so much, Adrian, for coming on the podcast and, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we get to do this again. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. boat you call mighty sparrow I'm in the city of Mardi Gras the sunset paints first for you you send me notes from the sea it makes me glad to know you're living well Babe's gray sun rise today. A small bird, join me on my way. When I see fishing boats, I wonder what that life is like. So sweet to hear from you, holy beholding the view. In sun and grass, I'm living a shepherd's dream. It's not so cold, but I'm beating in to the wind I'm at its whim. I'm getting tossed relentlessly. Hold on, sailor, or my tears will fill the sea. See the moon transform, so will the storm. The moon's 
my best friend out here today is light and crisp and clear. I got some sleep and to hit some sorting. Mother Nature, hold him sweetly, rock him deeply. Mother Nature, hold him sweetly, rock him deeply. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da